Good evening. That's so formal. Praise God. Um, I'm Jim. As you guys know, I'm, I'm a member here at Bethany Baptist Church. And like Danny said this morning, it is my great privilege and my joy uh, to, guide, to attempt or bring you guys God's word this evening. Turn your Bibles with me uh, to Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 16 on that hardback Bible in front of you. Genesis chapter 22, <clears throat> verse 12. I'll read it to you. And then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I now know, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. This is God's word. God. May the word of the Lord dwell with us richly. Let's pray. Father, I'm praying, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us, Lord, by seeing you through the pages, Lord God, of Genesis and through the other scriptures that surround this passage and explaining to us, Lord God, what we need to know about you. And I'm praying, Father, that you would move our hearts towards you, that you would make things, Lord, that are not clear, clear for the congregation, and that, Lord, ultimately, you would be the one that gives me the power and that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Have you ever considered something deeply? Like buying a new car, or perhaps who you were going to marry, what to have for dinner. You, know, you think about those things that you've considered deeply as you think about them. What happened? I mean, did you take action after you considered it? What, what about those thoughts, about the, about the thoughts that you thought? What about them that led you to take action? Have you considered God? Have you thought about him deeply? And have your thoughts about God ever spurred you to action? Has he ever inspired you to take something up? And have you ever been commanded by him as you considered him and obeyed him? Reading Genesis chapter 2, 12 calls us to consider a few things. Now, for the sake of time, we can't go through much of the background. If you're interested in what makes Genesis chapter 22 so interesting, read all the preceding chapters behind it. I mean, you can start all the way in chapter 3, but if you don't have time, chapter 15 is good enough. So there's plenty to unpack. Let's jump right into the main goal of the text. The main goal of our text this evening is consider God or fear him. And let that move you to give him all that you've got. Again, consider God and fear him and let that move you to give him all that you've got. And we do this in two ways. By one, knowing God. And number two, obeying God. So let's consider this together and what's happening in the story. Number one, knowing God. So it leads us to ask the question, what does this text tell us that we should know about God? Well, God tests faith. And how do we know this? Because if you go all the way back in context, 22.1 says this, after these things, God tested Abraham. 
And if you're asking about what things, well, precisely all the things that happened in the preceding chapters. Again, I urge you to read it this week. I, I promise you it'll give you tremendous insight about God and his character. So how do we know that God gives faith or, or that God gives faith and actually test it? Well, we can see this story attested by the writer of the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 11:17, saying, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received promises. Again, what promises? Everything that happened in Genesis before chapter 22. And yet, he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. First Peter 1 promises that you are being saved through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in these last times. See, you were chosen, chosen for obedience to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And then what happens? It goes on to say, you rejoice in this, and even now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, praise God, he has given you faith rather than gold. Faith is more precious and just like gold, God refines the faith he gives you with trials to prove the genuineness of your faith. See, your faith given by him, tested by him, and proved by him gives him glory. So don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Did God know that Abraham would actually go through with it, the sacrifice of his son? And I think the short answer is yes. And while there's much to say on this topic, if so, then why test his faith? Why test it if he already knew the outcome? Well, I'll give you the short answer again for the sake of time. Jesus, or God, is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Jesus gave you faith in like a master artist working on a masterful work of art. The masterpiece inside this master's mind is not complete until the brush is put to the canvas and is colored. See, the concept is made visible. Consider what God says in Abraham, uh, about Abraham again in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that God had pro what God had promised, he was able, he was also able to do. Brothers and sisters, God is invisible, but your gift of faith tested and tried by him and your response to him makes him visible to a world that looks on and it gives him glory. Now let's look at our second point. 
First point was knowing God. Our second point was obeying God. And the sub point is man considers God and is moved to give God all that he has. Look at what it says. Since you have not withheld your only son from me. I can only imagine what the conversation at the breakfast table must have been like when Abraham broke the news to Sarah about what God had told Abraham to do with Isaac. I know what my conversation would have looked like with my wife if God told me to sacrifice Joshua. He wants you to do what? But the Bible paints a different picture of what we might expect. Let's start with Sarah. Hebrews 11 paints her like this. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring. Even though she was past the age, she, since she considered the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one man as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the scar, stars of the sky and as as numerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. See, according to Sarah and Isaac, uh, according to Sarah, Isaac was as good as dead. I can't help but think about another reference made about Sarah in 1 Peter about her beauty through a gentle and a quiet spirit. I mean, if God told me to sacrifice Joshua, I probably would have said, no way. And my wife probably would have agreed. Sarah, on the other hand, I assume by the Bible's testimony, submitted to Abraham as she sent them to Mount Moriah. See, now the reference about, about being as good as dead in Hebrews could also be a reference to Abraham. Certainly his body was as good as dead due to age. But more than likely, it was about Isaac. It reads much, it reads much better as Isaac from context. Isaac was as good as dead. He was laid on an altar. Abraham's knife was yielded, ready to strike, because Abraham was convinced God could bring him back from the dead. Abraham and Sarah considered God, the faithful one who keeps his promises and obeyed him even if it made no sense. They considered God and they gave him all they had in obedience to him. Now you might be tempted to get discouraged by your lack of faith at his faithfulness. But if you remember Abraham and Sarah in the years before God kept his promises, they stumbled along the way. Has anyone ever prayed, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief? Genesis 15 is clear that Abraham believed God and through belief was credited with righteousness. But in spite of his righteousness because of faith, they still stumbled. See, when God mentions the promise to Abraham, Sarah overhears and laughs at the promise. And when God confronts her, she denies it. And after years of waiting and no response from God, they try to fulfill the promise by human will. Sarah gives Hagar, her slave, to bear children from them, thinking this must be the way. And worse, Abraham agrees. No, but God is patient with them. He works in them. And some 20 years later, when they were about 100 years old, God works through them, bringing about what he had promised. Brothers and sisters, consider God who is faithful. Think about how the truth about the faithfulness of God 
as they considered him looking back at those 20 years, moved Sarah and Abraham to be willing to give back what he had given. Don't dwell on your faithfulness or your lack thereof. We consider God. Our considerations and thoughts of him should move us to give him all that we've got. If you're here today and you haven't heard about God's promise, let me address you for a second. In this story, we are told that God tested Abraham. But let me ask you, can God's love be tested? See, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, the reason he didn't allow Isaac to be sacrificed was because God promised Abraham that through Isaac would come a nation. And from this nation, a promised son, God's one and only son. God himself, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became a man and took on flesh. Why? Because you and I were made to worship God and to love him with all of our hearts and soul and mind and strength. But because of sin, we have chosen our own path, loving ourselves, worshiping ourselves. And because of this, God has condemned those who rebel against him like this to hell. He has condemned all of us to hell. But in his great mercy promised long ago before Abraham ever received promises, God promises that his son would come to this world to live, to live the life that we should have lived and die a death we deserve on the cross. He did this so that whoever would have faith and trust in the promise would receive new life and live with God forever in the world to come. You know, he's calling you today to repent and to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. If you have more questions about this, please talk to me or any one of the pastors here or any member here, and we'd be happy to tell you more about Jesus Christ and the promises made by him. Brothers and sisters, let me close by encouraging you as we are called to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let me encourage you to also consider God in Jesus Christ. Abraham took a knife to slaughter his son, and God stopped him. Isaac wasn't good enough. But through Isaac comes Jesus, the Messiah, and this Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. God did not stop the slaughter of his son, because God's love was tested, and he has passed the test. He gave his son Jesus. He gave you all that he had from eternity past. Jesus, his love for God was tested as he endured the cross and passed the test. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now consider your own salvation through his death and the faith that was given to you that you now have. You will be tested and you too will pass the test. Our present suffering, it's real. It's painful. And in no way am I trying to diminish the earthly sorrows we feel, the very real prayers of lament, the anguish, it's all real. The trials, the waiting, 
But God is allowing it because as we endure and as we obey, you and I prove to a watching world that God is real and he's worth it. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary and light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable weight of glory. So brothers and sisters, we don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Consider God today, faithful and true. Obey him, endure to the end, and give him all that you've got. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed your son, Jesus, for us, Lord God, that we might have this hope. And that, Lord God, through him, Lord God, we can actually really believe in you and hope in you, Lord God. And our considerations of you would move us, Lord God, to obey you, to pursue you, and to be passionate for you. I'm praying, Lord, that we would consider you this week and fear you and have our thoughts dwell on you so that it would move us towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.